Hey, what's up to the couple of viewers who have showed up? Really appreciate it. And let me just get my phone here on silence. Uh, appreciate it. And uh, so let's just get kind of get going here. My uh, guest for tonight uh, canceled and uh, he had a family emergency. So it wasn't like he just kind of dropped out the last minute. It happened within the last couple of hours. Um, so uh, we're going to try to reschedule. And I'm looking forward to having that conversation in which we speak about um, uh, immigration, uh, the aftermath of raids and everything like that. So uh, but we, what we are going to speak about just for a few brief moments here is the uh, newest uh, Kenosha uh, PD shooting. And I wanted to just kind of talk about that just for a few minutes here. Um, I know that um, people are um, uh, rioting, um, uh, you know, going berserk, for lack of better terms, in Kenosha because of the situation uh, that happened there, and um, so let let me just start off by uh, by uh, showing the video, and I'm quite sure everybody's seen it. But for anyone who has not seen it, um, um, let's just start off with the video here. So uh, here we go. This is taken from a news report. This is not the actual full video. The full video is, I believe, on Facebook. I, I tried to find it on YouTube. I couldn't find it, but it is on uh, uh, Facebook. Okay, so that's that's the that's the gist of the video, which I'm quite sure everybody has seen. Um, and so after that, that happened about five o'clock p.m. Uh, yesterday. Um, and so I just wanted to speak about that. Um, see, so yeah, it happened about five o'clock yesterday, and um, you know, very very sad case. Um, so I want to I want to talk about that just for a few moments and what we can learn from this. Um, so I, I see a comment already. Cops gave him a chance to just get on the ground. Did they not? Uh, yeah, so sweet, uh, sweet B231. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's one of the things I want to talk about is that this is, you, you know, when we see cases like this, a lot of times um, people will um, really jump to conclusions. Um, they will uh, act emotionally instead of rationally. And that becomes that becomes the, the the problem, right? That becomes the problem. This is what's going on there, and it's and it's difficult to to talk people out of their emotional state that, that they are in, and that that is the frustrating thing that law enforcement has to deal with, and it's the frustrating thing that the community has to deal with. Not only members in the community, but business owners who are having their 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 livelihoods burned down. They burned down the dealership, and people on the news reports people are boarding up their businesses. Um, so it's really, really sad. Uh, so let's just kind of walk through. I'm not going to give a detailed breakdown of it. I think we, we've watched it already. But to Sweet B231's uh, comment, yes, the cops did give him a chance to get on the ground. And so let's start off by that, by saying uh, that, you know, even in heightened emotional states, people really should listen to the police and, and not give them a reason. And I, 
I want to say that delicately, right? The cops aren't looking for a reason. Generally, they're not looking for a reason. Um, but you have to be very mindful, and people have to be very mindful of their level of resistance. And so that that certainly is and was a problem, and the cops did give them a chance. Um, so that's, that's one part of it. My stepson uh, texted me earlier and talked about and talked about the, the justification behind the shooting. Is this particular shooting going to be justified? And the problem that's going to be people are going to look at is whether uh, this the guy going into the car, uh, Mr. Jacobs, they're going into the vehicle was actually um, uh, part of the problem. And it's going to be certainly a problem um, concerning law enforcement. Uh, shooting this guy in the back a, a number of times. But the problem is, once again, the, the level of Mr. Jacobs' resistance and the fact that he was going into the car. Officers do not know what's inside of someone's car. We don't, we don't know, right? Uh, when I, you know, as a supervisor, as a commander, as a leader, as a training officer, I always talked, I always talked about that. We don't know what's in someone's car. You don't let people go to their car. You don't let people uh, go into their homes or into their closets or into their pockets or, or anything like that because we don't know what they have or may have hidden. And so that becomes very, very problematic. And so that's one of the things that pl police officers have in their mind at all times. This guy was intent on going into the car. Uh, it seems as if, right? So let me start off by also by saying, even though we've gotten in, into this a little bit, we don't know all the facts. We don't have all, uh, you know, there may be a different camera angles. The, the, um, uh, there has to be a full and thorough investigation into what happened. Witnesses have to be have to be uh, uh, questioned. Uh, there has to be a good, uh, detailed forensic analysis of the scene. And fortunately, what is going to happen now uh, is going to be an independent uh, investigation uh, conducted by the state of Wisconsin uh, in conjunction with the FBI, uh, Department of Justice. And so we can thank a lot of that to one of my former guests. And uh, his name is Michael Bell. Uh, he's got an organization called Plea for Change. It's a, it's available on Facebook. You guys can look it up, Plea for Change. It's the same police department as Michael Bell. Uh, his uh, police department, Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, is one of the departments that uh, shot and killed uh, Mr. Bell's son. And so uh, so th the whole situation there uh, is blowing up again. But we can thank uh, the Bell family and in, in the work that uh, Michael Bell has done in getting and making sure that one the investigation that would have been done by conducted by the uh, Kenosha Police Department and the prosecutor there has now been taken out of their hand and it will be an independent investigating body which will be looking into that. So I think that that is actually I, I think that that's actually good. It takes law enforcement's hands out of it, uh, and so therefore an investigation uh, can be underway that is thorough, complete, and totally removed from the particular officers that were on scene. So that is certainly good. Um, and, and in uh, conjunction with that, I'm also going to be re-releasing an episode, uh, the podcast interview with uh, the Michael Bell family uh, or Michael Bell, as well as uh, another guest of mine, uh, the detective who helped work on the case. I'm going to be re-releasing that episode so that can be seen Cat the Hunter's podcast on, uh, on Cat the Hunter's uh, podcast, the audio version. That There is no video of that. Um, so, so let's get back into... Uh, the, 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 the problem, one of the biggest problems that I have, well, two of the biggest problems that I really wanted to address is, first of all, as I mentioned before, is that we really have to, uh, as a community, really understand that you have to comply with an officer's orders, right? Being upset, being frustrated. Now, the way in which I've heard 
different commenters uh, state is that uh, uh, this particular person who ended up being shot, unfortunately, he's still alive, even though he was shot, shot at at least seven times. I don't know how many times he was struck so far. Um, he, he, he may have actually responded to the scene to break up a domestic argument. Uh, we don't know the exact case uh, or, or scenario about that. Once again, that information is going to be forthcoming. So if it is true that you have responded to, the, to, to help break up an argument and the police get there and start yelling and barking orders at you, comply with them. You may be frustrated. Maybe you're one of the good guys. Maybe you're one of the people who is trying to help the situation, calm the situation down. And the police are coming up to you and asking you to calm down. Put your hands in your pocket. Show me your ID. Where are you at? You sit over here. Do this. If you're really trying to help the situation, then help the situation by complying with the officer's orders. Getting mad and upset. And once again, we don't know, but this is I'm going off of what uh, is information that we know pre preliminarily. If it's true that um, that this man was there trying to help and you, you can't get mad and upset and everything like that. You have to wait, calm down, relax, try to talk to an officer, take a deep breath, walk away from the situation if you're allowed to, because sometimes somebody has to be a de-escalating de force in a situation. And, um, and, and so that's the way that it goes. Somebody has to be a de-escalating force. I'm asking the community and the public to be very mindful of, of their interaction with the police and, um, and everything like that. So, the second point is, is, is that we don't know what's in the car. Uh, as, as I mentioned before, we don't know it's in the car. Um, and so once we don't know what's in the car, uh, as, as officers, because we don't know what's in the car, it becomes very difficult to once again, to allow persons to go near that car or go into that car. And so therefore we have to, uh, uh, take certain manners, uh, matters into our hands and try to really try to de-escalate the situation and really try to uh, make sure that people don't go near the car. You, you know, um, you have to be mindful of who's in the car. It's, under, it's understandable. It's, it is the understanding now that there may be children in the car, officers firing right through a car. Uh, it may not be the best choice. Um, so we really have to look at our tactics and everything like that. So Sweet B, again, uh, thanks for commenting. First of all, I really appreciate it. How do you get the black community to respect police and or authority figure again? Um, by having conversations like what I'm having right now, um, I want people to get them to calm down, to, to, to try to listen. We need uh, the leaders in the community, uh, community leaders, church members, church, church organizations, um, ministers, preachers, and everyone else like that to try to really try to get uh, people within the community to to relax and to listen and to and to go for change and 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 believe in change, believe in in the rule of law and believe in the slow process of justice and everything like that. So it, it takes time, effort, work, and energy um, to respect the police. Listen, that's that's uh, that's a difficult task, and that's what my podcast is about. It's about. Uh, building the bridge between the police and the, and, and the community. And I know that, you know, sometimes as, as law enforcement, they might not like the things that I'm saying. Uh, and as a community, they might not like things that I'm saying. But if we're going to see eye to eye, either we're going to see eye to eye or we're going to continue to be at each other's throats. And that those are the two things that, that we really have to, to have. Those are the two points of view that we really have to reconcile. Where are we going to be in this day and in this time? Are we going to continue to have protests, riots in the street? Or are we going to listen to law enforcement? Are we going to have law enforcement who's going to be more deferential and understanding to the plight of the community? And we really have to have to do that. So I'm hoping the conversations like the one that I'm having um, and the conversations in the cries and pleas for justice that and calm that uh, the community organizers 
I would even include Black Lives Matter, although I know that may be controversial. Church, religious members and organizations really call for peace and to tell them that they need to respect the rule of law. Um, and so so there it is right there. So that's that's what I wanted to talk about. So so I talked about uh, people in the community making sure that they are, 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 are listening, that they're uh, that they're being deferential to the police, following rules and orders and everything like that from the police. I'm also asking uh, for the police to it's, it's difficult for me to say that for the police to, to that they overreacted in this particular situation because I don't think that they did in in all honesty now we'll, we'll see we'll find out what everything's going like on as well as the investigation and how that's going to turn out it may turn out that he had a knife it, it may turn out that he had a uh, a gun inside the car uh, we don't know if they ran his name for for guns um, and turns out that he may have had one registered even though he didn't have one on him so all this type of thing um, um, heightens the situation hey Karen uh, thanks for showing up. Really appreciate it. So just going on about uh, the things that, it, uh, you know, the law enforcement are dealing with when we respond to a scene and we don't know, you know, the, all of the ins and outs and people start reaching into their pockets or into cars or into, if you're in the house, they start reaching into closets and everything like that. That becomes a problem. And as police officers, we cannot allow for people to to take that, uh, to take those actions. Um, so therefore, that that's how we get into the situations that we get into. Um, and so it's as to my stepson's question. I hope that I answered it. That it's he met this officer or group of officers, or how many fired we know at least one, uh, may actually be justified uh, in, in the actions that they have taken. And sometimes, uh, to, to Sweet B's uh, question, uh, how do we get the black community to respect the police and authority figure again? Um, uh, you know, it, it really is going to take a calming voice to say that and to prepare people for, hey, listen, this may not be an exact case uh, of this. And uh, to Sweepy's uh, question again to the, to the black community, um, I want to be very, very, very open and honest about this, that this does not seem to me to be a very racially motivated situation. Um, police officers, unfortunately, uh, shoot unarmed white assailants uh, or victims in the same manner, right? Uh, they, they shoot, uh, uh, it, it would not have mattered to me if this person was black or white or Hispanic or Asian or whatever, if he's not following my directions and uh, getting into, and, 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 going, and going into the car, uh, then, then here we are. And so to Dimitri Olsen uh, Coles, it's time to abolish. I assume that you would, would mean time to abolish the police well, in this particular situation, once again, the police are called to a domestic violence dispute. Who's going to respond to domestic violence disputes uh, if we're going to abolish the police? Uh, we're going to send counselors uh, who, if there's a situation or a fight, um, they, they may end up getting into, uh, you know, the counselors or, or social workers may end up getting into a fight with them. And so how do we know that they are uh, uh, counselors? Well, we should probably put a uniform on them or some patches or some type of badge or some type of identification. So then if they get into a fight in the situation, then uh, shouldn't we train those counselors to, um, to be able to defend themselves and take persons into custody or, or not hurt them? And so then therefore doesn't it evolve into maybe if we're gonna send counselors who are somehow identifiable, uh, we wanna give them a car to get there. Uh, we wanna make sure that a car is known. And so therefore we get to, we got to give them self-defense classes and then we want to make sure that they know how to talk to people. And so therefore we get to, we want to, might want to have them armed because we can't have them running away. 
So now we, you know, what we have, we read right back to the police. So I think that what we should do is really, really equip our police officers, better training, better tactics. And it doesn't seem to me in this case from preliminary investigation that we're looking at it, that the officers acted all that inappropriately. Once again, people have to follow instructions. People have to follow directions and we cannot, and no one who's going to be put in a situation should allow, uh, I'm talking about police officers, should allow or would allow persons to start digging in their pockets, into their cars, into closets, into glove boxes. We as officers do not know what they have in there, and we don't have all the facts concerning this case, once again. So I think that we need to massively, massively give police officers the tools and equipment to do their job that may be better, longer training, which is going to be more money more money. So it's not about, in my mind, it's not about abolishing the police. It's about preparing them effectively, efficiently to do the job, more training on the front end, as far as police academies, longer police academies, more training throughout the years, uh, instead of waiting every three or four years to for, uh, for recertification classes, defensive tactics classes, handcuffing classes, de-escalation classes, which takes place every three years, do it maybe, maybe monthly uh, or quarterly, every three months or so because it has to remain fresh in people's minds otherwise they get it research cahoots program uh, i believe that i did look into that um uh, that is an acronym i did look into that um and i did have someone that i reached out to to have on the podcast to discuss that um so I i'm gonna you did remind me i'm gonna have to research that again and look into it again but when i was researching defunding the police uh, i did come across that uh uh, some type of cahoots acronym. And so they do have different programs. <clears throat> Karen says uh, something we are talking about. Uh, and so Dimitri said that research cahoots program. Uh, Karen says something we are talking about in my second career work life is giving classes to our youth on how to deal with the police, how to respond when stopped by the police, et cetera. They need to know how dangerous it is not to follow directives. And that's that's vitally important. Uh, it is something that I'm looking into as far as my own, uh, um, my own uh, uh, business. Um, as far as uh, preparing uh, a presentation to bring to schools, uh, I should not give away everything I'm trying to do, <laughs> but uh, but that is something that I am trying to look into. And I think it's a great idea. I think it's time to do this uh, and everything like that. Hey, Zakia, thanks for, for stopping in. Um, I think it's time to do this. We cannot continue to have these types of shootings because people are mad, because they're frustrated, because they want to walk away from the police, because they don't want to take their hands out of their pockets uh, or because they don't want to follow directions and, and everything like that. So that is already something that I have uh, in the works. So thank you for that, Karen. Um, so I talked about uh, this, the, the, the gentleman's behavior. I talked about the police's behavior and what we can and cannot expect. I talked about uh, the, the information uh, that it's been taken out of the hands of the uh, local PD, which is great. Once again, thanks to Michael Bell. Please go back into that, listen to that episode. I am gonna re-release it. Uh, and I talked about the police officers. Um, and so I want to finish this off, unless anyone has any more questions or anything like that. I'm going to finish this off by talking about the Second Amendment. Now, this is going to be um, um, uh, really, really controversial, but but we got to we got to talk about the Second Amendment. This idea that uh, that all citizens are the the idea that all citizens are armed is ingrained in the training and the police and training of police officers. Uh, when when I was a police officer, I'm quite sure that Karen. Uh, can can attest to this that we had what we was what we called the uh, plus one rule. 
whenever any police officer shows up in any particular scene, we already know that there's one gun available. We, are, we already know that there's one gun on scene. That's the gun that we walk into the, in there with. And so whether I'm in a domestic or I pull over a car, it is automatically assumed that there is a weapon there. And this comes from directly from the Second Amendment. And I would challenge people to read um, a book. And of course, it's going to slip my mind right now. It's it's by, uh, hold on, let me, let me Google it. Um, Give me, I got to look up the name of this book. Roxanne Dunbar Ortiz is the author. Uh, Loaded, A Disarming History of the Second Amendment. That is the name of the book by Roxanne Dunbar Ortiz. Uh, I would really highly suggest that people read that particular book. In that book, she makes the case that um, the Second Amendment was not about the militias and being ready for in case King George or someone other king wanted to take over. It was about uh, the Second Amendment was instituted to control uh, uh, the African-American population, slaves, runaway slaves, uh, free free black citizens, and, and the uh, posseing up uh, at any time, any white male, any white man had to be ready to posse up and fight the Indians and or help bring in the slave uh, in. And that was the reason for the, for, for, for the establishment of the Second Amendment. I really highly suggest that people go and read that that book. She really lays out a, a, a really good uh, analysis of, of the Second Amendment. So why do these officers in this particular case feel the need to shoot shoot this man? Because officers are trained to believe that people are, are armed at all times. That's why officers are gonna tell people to get their hands out of their pockets, don't go into the glove compartment. If you are get stopped, if you do get stopped in a motor vehicle stop, it's always advisable that you keep your hands where, where the officers uh, uh, keep your hands where the officer can see them, because there is the intuition that is ingrained in, in from policing and training into the minds of, of of police officers that somewhere in that particular vehicle, in your vehicle, that uh, there is a the gun, that there is a gun or the potential for a gun, and so therefore, uh, it, we really need to understand. That, that, that this is causing a problem. It is causing a problem. White citizens, black citizens, Hispanic citizens are being shot because in many cases and circumstances, police officers are overreacting because they see a wallet, because they see a cell phone, because they see someone refusing to show them their hands because someone's digging into a closet, into a glove box or taking whatever measures. Officers are, are shooting first and hoping that they are, 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 are justified in this particular uh, in, in their actions. And so therefore this is, this create, this is creating such a problem. So I really think that we really have to take a, a good hard look at the second amendment. Do we abolish the amendment? Do we make an amendment to, to counteract the second amendment? I don't know. That's what we pay our politicians for. That's what we elect them for. But we really have to take an understanding as to what is happening uh, because people to Karen's point, once again, uh, people don't know how to, in, in, interact they're, they're dropping their hands then they, they are going out uh, uh they're, they're going out of the way to uh um, to yeah to not show their hands uh to not obey the, the directions and, and instructions of the officers and many of this stuff is is common sense but it's, it's not being followed and of course this common sense is causing a problem and people are being killed of all races people are dying because the police officers are making a mistake and they're not being held accountable in courts of law because uh, 
deference is given to the police officer and the split second judgments that they have to make, they're not going to say, they being the courts, are not going to say police officers should take a chance that that's not a cell phone or a wallet or a comb or whatever. Um, and so that, therefore this presents the problem. I know it's a problem. And I know what I'm saying is controversial about the second amendment, but we've got to really take a serious hard look at it. Just like Karen is saying that we have to take a look and see, make sure that, that our students uh, and, and young people know how to interact with the police and, and follow their instructions. We have to take a good, hard, serious look at the problems uh, that that Second Amendment and, and the thought processes behind police officers. And I'm not saying they should change their police officers, saying they should change their thought process. Because when I was an officer, I thought the same way. Uh, I, it's my assumption that somebody's not following my directions and they're trying to dig into their uh, uh, um, pockets that, that, uh, that they're armed. And I can even tell a story about this. We were doing a raid one night. We were uh, cracking down on after hours bars. And so we had a guy who, uh, as soon as we all stormed in, um, it was actually the, the vice intelligence squad, but they called some members of patrol because we were all in uniform and I was a lieutenant at the time. Uh, so I see this guy uh, as we all walk in, it's storming. We had guys coming from the front and from the back. I see this guy turn around and he starts putting his, his uh, belt buckle to the to, to the wall and starts digging in his pants i went over to him grabbed him uh threw him down took his hands behind his behind his uh uh back and i pulled out uh i pulled out a gun this is a true story that happened to me so therefore uh, i know that what can happen is when people do not uh, uh um uh or when officers uh do not uh control the hands of people uh, so this is very, very vital. It's very, very important that people understand this. This is not some anecdotal story. I mean, it is to someone else, but it is, <laughs> it's a real story that happened to me. Um, I don't know if the guy was trying to hide the gun because you may be thrown on the floor. He's going to turn around and shoot us. I don't know. But uh, I know we took a gun off of him. So uh, Karen says, you are right, Cap. Uh, we are always taught there is a weapon on scene. Exactly. We're always taught that. So uh, there's another officer and many other officers that would back me up on this, that we're always taught that there is a weapon on scene. So I really wanted to, to, to chime in on that. I want to, if anybody watches this, I want us to give this, give patience to the investigative process. It's out of the hands of the local dist, uh, local um, authorities there. Um, and so we got to give some thought to, to that. We got to get, things are going to evolve. Witness statements are going to be, are going to be taken. The 911 call is going to be analyzed. The forensic scenes are going to be processed. And we have to give some time to this. Uh, so that uh, to Sweet B's point, uh, or or someone asked about that. Uh, yeah, Sweet B said the, about uh, uh, giving him a chance to get on the ground. So all this stuff, how this type of stuff, has to be investigated. So we're going to do an investigation. Um. So uh, we talked about uh, abolishing the police. I, I think that massively more training has to come to has to go to the, go to the police. Um, abolishing the police in this particular circumstances isn't going to do anything, right? People are going to have weapons and who's going to police them, who's going to uh, secure them and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so we talked about the officer's mindset. I give you my story. Karen backed me up about that. Uh, Tiffany, as it is, hey, Tiff, as, as a forensic, as a defensive tactics instructor can back me up on this as well. That And she knows that, uh, you know, you've got to watch people's hands. You've got to watch people's hands. You cannot allow people to dig into the car, go into a car, to a closet or to a bag or, or, or whatever, what have you. So, um, so if there's no other questions or comments, um, I really, really appreciate you guys, uh, um, 
chime, uh, coming in, chiming in. Thanks for the comments. I hope that I answered the question. I want to give some some calming, soothing words to people to calm down, to relax. To law enforcement, I would say, listen, um, you know, it looks <laughs> on the surface. I know people don't want to hedge their bets, but it looks on the surface like this guy may be justified. Uh, you know, who knows? You know, we don't know everything that's in the car. I know it's going to be it's a it's a tough situation should we be shooting at people just if we're not sure this is what i said to my stepson should we be shooting at people if we're not sure it's a knife if we're not sure it's a gun if we're not sure no uh you know um so this this is one of the problems one of the reforms that we have to give and then finally i talked about uh the second amendment we really have to take a look at this we really really have to take a look at this um and i know that people don't want to give up their guns and the moment that people you know people start thinking this way people buy up all more guns <laughs> so and that that creates such a tension for police officers who are on the street who are trying to keep us all safe and their mindset is that there is a gun on the scene and i don't know what's in your waistband i don't know what's in your cooler i don't know what's in your bag i don't know what's in your duffel bag i don't know what's in your book bag i don't know what's in your glove compartment or in your trunk um so this create creates such a problem um, so once again, I, I'm going to end it off there. Uh, thank you so much. If, I, if there's no other questions or comments about that, thank you guys for, for tuning in. Uh, next week, I, next week is definitely the nurses. I mixed up the, uh, the dates on that. Next week is uh, Conscious Sedation Podcast. Uh, they have a lot of great stories. They're going to talk about their, uh, their podcast and, and them being nurses and how they deal with COVID and everything like that. Um, and then we're going to reschedule for the uh, what I would call the immigration guy. Uh, he had a family emergency, uh, the Ph.D. from the University of Michigan. Um, and so uh, actually, I read his book. So this is the book that he gave me separated. Uh, it says uh, family and community in the aftermath of immigration. Really, really good book. So that's the book that I just read. And uh, so if you guys want to check it out. And uh, so I got a lot of, lot of great guests coming up. Um, I just got a message from uh, Daryl Davis. Uh, he wants to return to the, to the podcast, and we're going to have him back on. Um, and so we got a lot of great episodes coming up. So uh, make sure that you all are um, uh, subscribed to the podcast. Did you rate it, subs uh, subscribe to it, share it, like it, all that kind of stuff. And um, uh, also the audio podcast. Once again, I'm going to re-release uh, the episode from Michael Bell uh, and the detective. And so that's going to be re-released. I'm going to do that as soon as I get out the podcast. So you guys can check that out uh, about some of the problems that the Kenosha Police Department had and how Michael Bell stepped in to try to change it, not only for the department there, for the, for the state of Wisconsin. So uh, thank you, Chief Riddick. Really appreciate it. Thanks for stopping in. Really appreciate it. Um, so, uh, that's it, ladies and gentlemen, much love and peace, and I will see you guys, uh, next week. Take care.